Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. The charge today is be careful with your words, because once they're said, they can only be forgiven, not forgotten. And... um, Brother James Setzer, who actually pastors a church in Germantown, he had shared this. It's not his quote, but he shared it. So I'm giving him like royalties on the royalties of this quote. But it's actually by Kurt von Schleicher. And this kind of stuck out to me very powerfully. Our God of grace often gives us a second chance. But there is no second chance to harvest a ripe crop. Especially for those of you who are mature Christians, I want the implications of that to sink in. So I'm going to read it again. Our God of grace often gives us a second chance. Us. My goof-ups, my slip-ups. I'm a Christian, and I'm trying to do better, but I, I get in myself, and I do things I shouldn't do, and then God you know, helps me to, to get back on the right track, and I, and I repent, and then change and correct the behavior. So God gives us a second chance as we're in grace But there is no second chance to harvest a ripe crop. And the implications of that are whenever to witness with the gospel of of his good news, of his saving grace, and we miss that, there's no grace for a second chance for that. That might be the only opportunity you ever have to minister to that person or to to give that person what they need, the love, you know, the support or encouragement. But most of all, uh, the truth of God's love and his gospel, that, that Jesus loves them, that's the most powerful thing that you could ever share. And whenever you miss that, you are not guaranteed any such thing as a second chance. Our words are so powerful. But there's nothing more powerful than the word of God. As we get into the, uh, to the, the Bible, um, and you, you read Genesis chapter 1, then you read, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And as you go through the passage, you, you realize that, that his, his voice has become preeminent. His voice um, has become the most important thing. It is the, it is the focus, and, you, and you're just like, wow, he's, he's not actually building the earth. He's speaking things into existence. He's speaking these things, you know, one right after another. So he says, uh, he says, let there be light, and there's light. Six different times in, in, the, in Genesis chapter 1, he says, let there be. He doesn't, he doesn't build it. He doesn't do it himself. He says, let there be. The voice of God, uh, whenever it goes out over the, over the void, uh, the nothingness that is before creation, uh, power, because God, whenever he speaks, uh, he, he calls Jesus the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word, and there is extreme power in the Word of God. God said occurred each day not God did not God uh, you know mixed something up or God created or God even formed God said and it happened every part of creation is given life through the word of God except one thing except us God spoke and it happened. God spoke and it happened. The, the, the trees, God only had to speak. He only, he only had to will it to happen. He spoke and there it was. But something, and, and this I want to preach for just a few minutes on, uh, on God's love for you and how individual your worth is. You're not just part of a corporate whole of humanity. You have in you 
by your very nature, worth and beauty to God. Are people worth more than anything else? I would say that they are, because Jesus didn't die for things. He didn't, just, he didn't die on the cross to restore an earth or you know, just uh, you know, trees or a planet or the beauty of a sunset or this, this, this earth that he created. He didn't die for any such thing. He died are numbered, Jesus says. And then he goes on to say, in, in comparison to what the, the worth actually is of, of people, he said, I see the sparrow when it falls to the ground, and you are worth many sparrows. So it's important to understand we have intrinsic value and worth because something happened on creation. Um, God is going about you know, this incredible um, creative uh, business right here, and he's causing this to come into existence, causing this to come, you know, the, the cosmos are created. And he causes you know, every creeping thing and everything on the earth, everything that swims, everything that crawls on the earth, all of the creatures, great and small. He creates all of these things, and he hasn't even had to lift a finger. He just says it, and it happens. See, whenever God says something, that's why you can trust the word in your life and sometimes we ask for a sign but we don't need a sign if you're here today and you are hurting in your body and you need a healing you don't you don't always need just a physical sign the word of God is what we need sometimes we want to, we want to see you know God move in a spectacular way do something special you know in my life or change the situation the word of God that's what everything happens on the on the orders of anyway it's the word of God and I'm so grateful that he has given us his written word, the unfolding of the word of God. is so powerful in our lives if we'll read it, if we'll utilize it to the fullest that it's meant to be. You know, the first time that we see any distinction, some people, um, and it has, a, uh, it has all kinds of animals like dogs and cats and horses and then like a bunny rabbit and then over to the left it has like some, uh, like a chicken and a pig and a cow and then you know, all these different ones and, uh, you know, the, it's because some people don't want, you know, to eat animals. And, you know, they're, they're vegetarian. They're, you know, I think it was a PETA board. But, uh, you know, the, the, the whole point was, where do you draw the line over what you can eat or kill or not eat or kill? And then somebody, you know, somebody that I saw had drawn, drawn a little red line right between, like, the pig and the horse because all the rest, you know, are pretty common uh, to eat. But there's a more important line. That is drawn, and some, if you're vegetarian, that's you know that's fine. I mean, enjoy enjoy life. I, I love me a good steak. I do. Yes, I do. Amen. But there is another line. There's a line that uh, that is drawn by God. And sadly, some no, nobody ever wants to really admit this to me because it opens up a whole world of bad things. Okay, because some people will say, you know, well, there's no such thing as God. There's no such thing as you know some greater intrinsic you know value to humanity. Like the people are just you know slightly more developed. You know, apes. You know, they're slightly more developed. You know, they're at the top of the food chain for sure. But and then they'll say there's lots of other you know animals that are you know they're just we're all equal. There's no greater intrinsic value to people. And when you do that in a very, very terrible, deadly way, it's, it's kind of like everybody wants to order this, but nobody wants to pay for it. Like a, a lot of people say, yeah, absolutely. You know, people are just, you know, there is no God, so there is no real um, you know, moral absolutes in the world. You know, there's, there's no real right and wrong. Everything's basically uh, subjective. And honestly, if we can kill and eat a cow, then you know, humans aren't really any different than cows. There's no soul. There is no. But God says that there's a line right there. And so my line is right between like the, the horse and the, uh, and the chicken, because I'll eat chicken, and I'll eat, you know, I'll eat all the rest of the normal things. I won't eat a dog, although I've been in some countries where they do. 
And while we may be such judgmental Americans, you try surviving on a diet basically of just rice and almost no other nutrition and then see how flexible your, your standards are because some people do not have it like spoiled us, right? So before you're too quick to judge. I won't eat a dog. I, you know, I love my dogs, <laughs> but I won't eat, uh, I won't eat you know, a cat, but I will eat this, this, and this. So that's where I draw my line. God drew a line, and he did it in the, power, in the first passage of the Bible. He said, I'll speak this, and I'll speak this, and I'll speak that. But whenever he created man, he formed them. He formed the first man with his hand, and then he put something in man that's not in any other creature. There's nothing else in this, not necessarily in how smart we are or how developed we are or what we can do or anything like that. It is absolutely the breath of God because in the very beginning, God, God formed this man out of the dust of the earth and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And from that point on, man was a living creation. So this is not just something that, that, that came into existence. This was a powerful thing, a beautiful thing. And he breathed part of the essence of his spirit and gave us life and he made us in his own image, he made us not great or equal to him, but we're supposed to be a reflection of God. He created us in the image. And in that moment, he said something that you need to hear. Maybe some of you more than others. He said, I am drawing a line right here. Subdue everything else. Everything else is beautiful. Don't mistreat them. Um, he actually, you know, anyone who's cruel to their, to their animals, uh, it's, it's unbiblical because it's, it's, it's wrong. God actually hates that, you know, for people to be cruel and, un, and unkind to, because he, he gave them as an inheritance. He said, go and subdue, and, you know, you're supposed to be the, 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 the one who does husbandry and actually takes care of all these. So uh, while I'm not that liberal when it comes to, you know, some of the worldwide issues, but we're supposed to be uh, taking care of the planet that God has allowed us to have and live on and not be irresponsible, especially when it comes to our animals. But still yet, there's a line. No animal in the world, no amount of animals that is worth one person, one soul, one precious child. Nothing in the world that has that kind of value. And the reason why is not because how beautiful that child or that person is. It's not how smart or um, what kind of a blessing they are or burden they are to society. It's because they have something in them the breath of God, the spirit of God that makes us who and what we are. It's so powerful. Uh, the breath of God, it sets us very much apart. And he still wants to breathe his spirit in us today. Amen? And what I'm dealing with right now or preparing to deal with is the, the attitude or the belief that, uh, that you are less than or that, uh, that your physical um, you know, appearance has any bearing on the value that you have as a human being. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter, and it certainly doesn't matter you know, what color you are. It doesn't matter uh, how rich or how poor you are. None of these things have anything to do with your intrinsic worth because your worth is not based on anything outside. It has nothing to do with appearances. It has nothing to do with intelligence or even like what you've been able to accomplish in your very short life. And honestly, most of us are not going to accomplish anything that's going to be worth more than a few lines in the grand scheme of history. Is the, spirit, is the soul that God placed in us. And I, see, and I see and I talk to so many young people who are convinced that they have zero value, that they have no 
real purpose and that, uh, you know, all the things that society, you know, all, all of the bad mindsets, you know, and, and the garbage that is poured into us, you know, that our, our value is somehow based on what society sees, which society is, is shifting. Me and Brother Andrew were talking the other day and, uh, and uh, you know, we, we saw everybody was kind of working on their tans. It was about that time. Everyone's kind of trying to get out and get some sun, get a little base tan going on. He, he got burned the other day doing the roofing work. And so we were just talking about, uh, about getting a good tan, how so many people, that's a big thing. They have tanning. There's a tanning salon in every, uh, you know, in every you know, town and, you know, it's all over the place. People are trying, you know, selling expensive bronzer so you can change your skin color to be like a little more dark. And then I, I told him, well, when I was in India, we would pass by all of these uh, different billboards and there would be all these other different kind of salons. And, and you would have one person with very, very light skin on, you know, on, on the billboard saying, oh, you can actually do this. And, you know, you know they, they don't want to, you know, so, some of my friends, you know, who worked, you know, who are of, of a different ethnicity, which gets a little better tan than I do, um, they, they would always be out there working their guts out a thousand degrees on the roof and they would be wearing long sleeves and like a hat and, you know, this, you know, just trying to cover because they don't want to get in, you know, get their skin any darker. And then here I am just like, oh, buddy's on one side or the other. You go to India and everyone's like, oh, I got to be light. You come here. You're like, oh, I got to get that bronzer. I got to be darker. If you allow society to speak any kind of value over who you are or what you are, you're going to be so mixed up. It just depends on where you're at. You go one place and, and, and you're the epitome of beauty. You go to the other place and, and now you need, to, you need to change something about it. So why don't we just not? Why don't we just be who we are? Why don't you, God created you, and I believe that he's a little higher on the, uh, on the food chain as far as like what his, uh, you know, object, he's not even got a subjective opinion. His objective opinion on you is that you're beautiful, that you're perfect, that you were allowed to be created uh, the way that you are, and that everything that makes you beautiful is intact and inside to him. Everything else, I mean, everything else is so subjective, and I think that we do terrible, terrible damage to ourselves as human beings when we allow our worth to be determined by a subjective factor outside. Be determined by what God says. For you to say that you're worthless is as foolish as for gold to say that it's worthless because of where it came from or how covered in dirt or grime it is. See, the worth of gold is in its nature not its currents. If it's covered over in mud, it doesn't matter if it needs shined. It doesn't matter if it contains impurities. The nature of gold is worth a lot. The worth of people was enough for God to send his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he didn't just send Jesus to pick us up in the cosmic minivan. He sent him to die, to be crucified, to be scourged, to be beaten and humiliated. Honestly, we, we, and we don't think about this much, but it would have been bad enough if he just had to come and live as a human and then tell us that God loved us. That, that would have been bad enough. I mean, that, that is basically for, for God, for Jesus, in all his infinite power and glory and beauty to come and take on the form of a human being is kind of like Matthew, stand up, handsome young man, looking good, taking on, it's like you becoming an earthworm. <laughs> yeah, uh, until, until it's fishing season, you would. It would be like, go ahead, you can sit down. 
It would be like a person becoming a roach or an earthworm. How degrading that would be. How disgusting that would be. You know, how, how being. That's what it was for Jesus to come and take on the form of humanity. Yet he did it for us and bears it still today. Jesus to come and become flesh. The word was made flesh, the Bible says. It's amazing that he would do that for us. See, it did not cost him nothing. It did not cost him very little. It cost him everything. Matter of fact, every wound that could be inflicted on the Son of God, I would pretty well argue was. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. Uh, you, you, know, you know what hurt Jesus the most? And this is always kind of often you know, when we give a description of the cross and you know, the crown of thorns and the blood as, as it seeps down his head and, and to be scourged you know, with a cat of nine tails across the back. And, and, and if, you don't know what, you know, if you don't know what the cat of nine tails was, you were allowed to give uh, 39 stripes. You weren't allowed to give 40 because uh, usually um, th- that would kill somebody. So that was the max amount that you were allowed to give somebody as far as the stripes. And it was this leather, um, terrible whip that was you know, long and braided, and it had at the very end uh, bits of bone or metal or something else like that. And then you would slap, and then it would wrap around, and those little bits and pieces would catch in the flesh. And as you would jerk it back, that's when it really hurt. Like getting smacked was one thing. Getting ripped open was the worst of it. I read an account the other day about uh, one guy who was in the Roman uh, legion, and he, was, he had killed a horrible, um, that, um, one of his friends who actually had to do the whipping uh, went a little high, and actually the, the, the piece of bone had ripped around and got him in the throat and opened up his throat, and he died before he ever got crucified, and that was considered an extreme mercy. He did it because it was a friend of his. And so as he, as he beat him, as he whipped him, as he just continued to do that, uh, he made sure at least one of them was off just a little bit. And those things came right up his neck and opened him up. And then he bled out before the beating was even done. And they crucified what was left of him. This was the most horrible, horrible way to die. To imagine Jesus suffering like this for us. I tell you what. What shows real love is whenever you suffer and you don't have to. There are some of you maybe thinking, I, sometimes you feel like just getting up and walking out of that, whatever it is, that relationship or that, that situation, that job. True strength is whenever you suffer for the good of someone else. And you don't have to. Jesus could have called it all off. I mean, this is the same guy who can, who, who can cause you know, everything. Like He's done so many miracles, so much power. And he allowed himself to be crucified for us. It's amazing. That's how much worth that we have. In, uh, have you ever seen like just a, 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 a maybe a, a crusty old looking guy who comes into the store and uh, and, and he has a uh, you know, crusty's a good word. Um, and he comes in with, uh, with this wallet. And, you know, and, and I already have this guy in my mind. It's not a real person, but I've seen him so many times. And so many, he's usually at Rural King, just standing there. And then he, he, he is everywhere. He is every man. So this guy, um, you, we've all seen him. And he comes in, and he's, you know, he's got these old work boots on. He's got an old uh, hat. And, you know, it's usually John Deere or something like that. And, and then he, he takes out this old beat-up leather wallet that just looks just falling apart. And he cracks that bad boy open. And it is just filled with all the things that he didn't spend on his hat and he didn't spend on his boots or anything else. And he's just like crispy 100s just lined right. Have you ever seen that? 
Some of you guys might have a grandpa like that, you know, like that. You, you might have like some, you're just like, man, that guy, uh, Nate's papa Buck, that he's, he's that kind of guy. I mean, you would never know that he's loaded, but at the same time, Nate knows, even though he just, papa Buck, he comes in there, whining about everything. He doesn't really care about a lot of the exterior stuff, but yeah, papa Buck's doing good. That crusty old guy, you know, he's always, and, and I, I've met him, you've met him, and then sometimes, you know, you'll have, you know, somebody maybe more like, you know, like me, and then, you know, I might, I might have a nice, you know, nice little wallet, but it's pretty well empty for the most, on, don't you? You know, an empty Armani wallet is worth a lot less to me than a duct tape wallet that's filled with cash. So we've got to be very, very careful about uh, the worth that we placed on a person. Some of the most beautiful, giving, and wonderful people in the world. You would never know, looking at them, what a beautiful soul they are. And vice versa sometimes. But short of creating an actual living soul, words created everything bad and good. And here's where I want to transition a little bit. Short of creating the soul, which only God can actually create a soul, Short of that, words did everything else, right? You know, he, made, he made the person, but all, you know, word, he said, let there be light. You know, there was light. He said, you know, let, let the firmament come together. He split stuff up. Uh, he, he made you know, all the animals that we see. He made all the vegetation, all the beautiful things. And, you know, he, he created everything else and said, let there be, and it was just there. So words created everything but people. And for some reason, that's scary to me. And here's the reason why. I have words. You're telling me the most powerful thing in the world other than like the breath of God is words? And some of the most, the most, and thank you to the advent of social media, they all have the same platform. Words. That's kind of scary. I, I have words. You have words. And you're telling me the most powerful thing. You know, the, the word of God says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And so, we, you know, the, the thing that, that, that God used to create the, you know, everything, you know, short of people, everything. We have that same, you know, or at least a shadow of that same power. And you begin to think, yeah, words really do matter. I mean, I guess the, the most momentous things that have happened in human history have been set on their course by words. Amazing things have been derailed. By words. Families have been destroyed by words. Ministries have fallen apart or, or been destroyed by words. Uh, things have been built up uh, um, you know, by words. Sometimes you know, just, just the word. What built the pyramids? A whole bunch of, a lot of slaves, but it wasn't the one person in charge. He said, build it. And then it happens. Words. How often do you consider your words to be that powerful. God gave you a voice, and it can be used for good or for evil. The most powerful things in the world have been done because of words. It's kind of scary. I, I, maybe I'm not communicating as clearly as I see it, but uh, um, words matter. Did, did you know I was just driving? I was not texting and driving. Thank you very much. But I was adjusting my audio book and I was in the center lane where I needed to be. And I was just driving down the road. I was actually doing the speed limit, like two over, you know, whatever. I was trying to do the speed limit. I was, I'm very careful about that. And so I'm driving and I saw, um, as I, you know, just kind of adjusted and then I went back to, you know, 10 and two or whatever. And I was driving and I saw a precious little red haired baby right out in the road. Cutest little baby. 
And it had, and the parents didn't do nothing wrong. That baby had finally gotten strong enough to open up the door, first time he'd done it. And he ran right out in the road. And if I hadn't been looking, I'd have hit him at 40 miles an hour. And so I, I, you know, I went around him and then, and then pulled, you know, swerved into somebody's driveway off the side of the road. And I jumped out, you know, left the car run, and I ran and I screamed at him to come back. And he come out of the, and he came out of the road. And I said, "Come here, baby. Come here. Come here, little, little cute, little red-haired kid. So precious." And, and his little diaper, barefoot, and he, he was chasing his puppy into the road. And I screamed and I said, "Baby, come here. Come to me. Come, come, come here quick." And he came out of the road just as you know some more cars came by. And you think, and, I, and of course, I'm just like a mess. Like, I still, like, I, I haven't really actually got over it entirely because, like, for whatever reason, I was just so fearful. And, I, and like, you know, if you've ever been the same, if that had happened to me. I don't, I don't know if I, you know, God, God would help me, but I, I don't know if I'd ever got over that. Or with the next driver. And so I grabbed the little baby and got the puppy, and I found his dad. And his dad was, like, you know, a mess. He was just out in, in the backyard mowing. Uh, the door was shut like it should have been, but he just had finally gotten tall enough to where he could pull the handle and get out. That was his first foray into the world. And so I'm you know, running around with this baby, and, and you know, I don't want to look like an abductor, so I'm like, hey, I got a baby! <laughs> Somebody's baby! <laughs> you know, just yelling at the top of my lungs, and I don't want him to come out and then think I'm you know, running off with him. <laughs> babies, man. But you know what saved that baby's life? Very possibly me screaming, come here, baby. <laughs> I, know, I guess I could have you know, gave him a name. I didn't know. It, so I just said, come here, baby. Come here, baby. And he came out of the road and came to me. And that's just a little glimpse. Okay, that's a dramatic glimpse <laughs> of the power that you and I have with our words. How many people come into your life throughout the course of a week how many people that maybe, you know, maybe they're, they're older, they look like they have it all together, they're not wearing a diaper, you know, but, but maybe they're hurting, maybe they're desperate, maybe they are, uh, you know, in a terrible terror, maybe something horrible has happened to that coworker that no one has ever found out about, and they're still operating out of that pain. Maybe it's somebody who is just walking through a terrible, terrible, you never know. But the power of words is so real. Honestly, I really, my hope today for you is that you will understand or be reminded of the power of your words. It's so easy. And, and here's the sad part. The people who need life spoken to them the most are the ones acting the worst. Always. That's the paradigm. That's, that is the hard part about this. Um, the person who's hurting, the person who, who needs a, you as a Christian or you know, a, a, as a child of God to say something in love, to, to forgive or to, to speak you know, peace and, and just, just to, to calm them and to tell them maybe that Jesus loves them or, or, or that it's okay, it's going to be okay. Those are the people who are the meanest and it's hardest to do that for. Hurting people hurt people. That's a really good way to know that. That's hard, but you, you have the power to do great damage or great good with your words. God gave you that. That was a gift from God. You know, monkeys can be taught kind of to, to, to type something or to, to do that. You know, parrots can, can literally parrot things. They can say things that they're taught, but they don't have the... That was a gift. I told you that there was a, a, a red line drawn between all the animals of creation and between you that is it. You were given 
Not just the worth, but you were given the word. The spoken word. The power of the spoken word. And now, does anyone remember um, Barney Fife? Okay. And, and just get this mental image in your head. Okay, because he's always spinning the chambers on his revolver, and then at one point, or several points throughout that long show, um, you know, the gun goes off in the office. And then Barney looks at it like he's never seen it before in his life. Like, I can't believe, you know, because he always keeps only one bullet, and it's in his pocket, and he's not supposed to have any in the chamber because he's such a nut. And Barney Fife, whenever the, the gun goes off, and it just, he, I can't believe, oh my goodness, I, ah, and then it throws it away like he's never seen this before. That's how a lot of us, a lot of you are, hopefully in this moment, with some of your words. You out here throwing words around, saying things uh, that, that, are, that, are, that are cruel, that are mean, or that are just maybe a little bit careless to people. Uh, and you, you, can, you can never know how far those words can go and what kind of difference that can make in somebody's life. And we're out here just throwing them around like it's nothing, saying things, you know, uh, you know, just, oh, I know my spouse. That's how we kid. That's how we joke. We say hurtful things. You know, we, 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 we say those things. It's so funny. You know, that's how we kid. It's not real healthy. Words matter. And they especially matter whenever you know you're going after somebody's area where maybe that's, that's where the enemy goes after. Man. Why don't some of us look in the mirror right now and say, why is it that I attack my spouse the same way Satan does? Wow. Wow. The area maybe that you know he struggles with. Because he's your husband. He's a dummy. You know, we all are. You know, we, we, we're, just, we're not perfect. We're just people. And he's just there. And you know this is an area in his life, you know, that, that, that you know, he's just not the best at. And that's kind of his, his area. Like, he struggles with it. He knows that he's tried. And then sometimes he just goes back into the bad, you know, same habits. Uh, you know, I'm not necessarily talking about sin. I'm just talking about people. I'm talking about, you know, imperfections. You know, that's just his area. Like, he cannot do this. He always forgets to do this. It drives me nuts. What's one that I do? Come back to you in a minute. Um, go ahead and you know, chew on that. Um, you know, just that area, that one thing that they do that drives you nuts every single time. It just, you know, it, it's, it, and, it, and they try a little bit, you know. They, it's just not their strongest area. I don't trust you. No, I'm not doing that. Words, that was a test. It was a test, and you almost failed. Man, you, you made a bullet point in those 10 seconds. Matter, church. And I'm telling you. That area that it's so easy to blast your friend or your spouse on because that is their weakness, don't you realize that Satan's already attacking that area and that's why it's the weakness? Satan is already gut checking again and again and again, just, oh yeah, you're never gonna be good. Like, you're never gonna be good at this area. You're always gonna struggle in this area. You're always gonna have this problem and, and, and you're nothing. And no matter how many times you pray through, no matter how many times you go to church and raise your hands and cry, it doesn't matter because I've got you in this area. And that area is the visible area in their life. That's the, that's the glaring problem for you as the spouse. And you're like, that, that is, you know, you're right, Satan. He's terrible at it. Let's get him. That's what we do when we attack that area. I'm struggling for a real good example. He's just, uh, he, he, he's just not real reliable when it comes to remembering to do some certain stuff. Okay, let's just real general. Um, he, he's, he can never remember that he's supposed to do that, and, and that just drives me nuts. Or, you know, she always you know, does this one particular thing, and obviously it is her area of struggle or we wouldn't be talking about it. But why don't you, instead of you know, getting on Satan's team, 
and continue to pound that area where they already, you know they have a weakness, why don't you come in like a friend, like a brother or sister in Christ, like who does best, and then cover that area, encourage in that area, say, you know, this is what life says to you. This is what the enemy says. And yeah, you've had problems in that past, but I don't think that's you. And I know that you don't have to worry about me hitting you when you're down or going after the spot that you're just not that strong in because my job is to protect you, to love you, and to build you up. Satan may say you're nothing. Satan and the enemy and life may attack you and say, in this one area, you're worthless. You'll never be any good. You're always going to be a failure in this area in your life. Well, I wish you would just do what God would have you to do and come in and say, say baby, that, that is a lie. And I'm going to cover that in grace. I'm going to encourage you in that area. Instead of, instead of just coming home and pulling my hair out because I see that the trash is still there again, uh, I'm, those little things, those little areas matter. But even the deeper ones where Satan says that you're never going to be worth loving. You're never going to be you're never going to be able to get over this particular area. You'll never be free from this addiction. Yeah, now we're getting real. You'll never be free from this from from this pain, from this abuse, from this hurt, from this cycle of anger, free from the temper that seems to just always and I know that he struggles with it, but he's got this terrible temper. So instead of just always taking every chance that I get in every conversation to just, you know, power of words, God gave you the ability to speak some things. And some of us, as we just allow the Holy Spirit to move today, this is maybe a little more teaching, I guess, than it is preaching, but as we consider how we're using our voice. We were given that as a gift by God. How are you using it? Are you using it to speak death and hurt and pain and degradation into people's lives? Or are you covering with grace? Are you encouraging? Are you speaking truth? Are you, are, are you loving them like Jesus would have you to do? Are you using it for good or for evil? Because it's a great power. It's an incredible power. When God gave man the ability to speak, to articulate and communicate, he gave us an incredible gift. And it can be used for the greatest good. You know, all these, all these children of Israel marching around the walls of Jericho, and at the very end, there's a loud shout. And in my mind, I always have it in the back of my mind that some, the reverberation was what caused it. No. It's the word. The word used in obedience to God caused the miracle to happen. 